Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Change Your Harvest by Pastor Sean Wood. We're going to come around the word now, so can we just can we just bow our heads as we do and pray? Father, I thank you that the truth is so often we ask for you to speak to us, but you've, you've spoken volumes right here. And I pray this morning that as we open your word, that just as there was power in your word to create, just as all scripture is God-breathed, may you breathe on every heart here this morning. May you speak to us and may our ears be open and our hearts be receptive. In your wonderful name. Amen. If you'd like to meet me in Matthew chapter 13, I'd like to talk about and work our way through, I would say, my favourite parable, which is the parable of the sower. We'll get there in a moment. But um, uh, does anybody else know what the definition of insanity is? Loving children. That's the dictionary definition. (laughs) The philosophical definition is doing the same thing uh, over and over and expecting a different result. It's a little bit like me going to the gym, Brother Rob. (laughs) Repeating the same process every day and expecting that there's going to be a different result. It's always the same. I need to be carted out on a stretcher. But uh, I can remember when I was playing football, and I'm so glad that Melbourne beat Geelong. I know I'm talking gibberish to most people in the room here this morning, but uh, Melbourne beat Geelong, a bit of a fairy tale going on there. Um, but uh, I remember when I was playing AFL, and uh, I'd swapped teams, and the team that I'd gone to was a pretty struggling kind of a team. And they sort of, every week we did the same thing, you know, the same people played in the same positions, and we just had the same sort of uh, philosophy, and we never seemed to be able to win any games. And uh, we'd won one, I think, which was the first two that I got there, we actually won those, didn't we? That was against my old team. Uh, That was an interesting game. And then we won the one after. But then we'd lost a lot of games and we're playing some Pats. uh, And some Pats uh, are known for having good players. And uh, if anybody kicks five goals in an AFL game, you've had a good day. But they had a full forward and I always played in the forward line and they had a full forward that kicked 10 goals by halftime. We come into the halftime break we're sitting around and everybody's a bit beshaveled and Logsy, the coach, a great guy, Logsy, he was in the ruck and he said, you know, I don't know what we're going to do about this guy. And I said, we've got to do something different. I said, put me down at full back. He said, no, no, no. He said, we need you in the forward line. I said, what for? I said, the ball never comes in the forward line. Not for our team anyway. I said, put me down full back. I said, and we'll, we'll see what happens. And he kicked one goal for the last half. And he kicked that goal because I slipped over. <laughs> But the fact of the matter was we needed to do something different. So, uh, And I think as a church we're in that season. I think both individually and also as a church here. But I think uh, Mark Connor says beautifully that the church is kind of in half time right now. You see, the halftime address, I've sat in many football halftime address. None of them were pleasant. We never talked about how great we were going. That's, it's a funny thing about that sometimes. We never really talk about how great things are going. We just talk about the things that we need to fix. But uh, uh, Bob Buford, uh, you would be aware of Bob Buford, Mark. He was a man that <clears throat> decided that he wrote a book called Halftime, but he, he decided that uh, uh, there was a, he wanted to go from success to significance. And he's sort of like a half-time in his life. He writes a book. And uh, he's a guy that divided his billions into living and giving. Passed away recently. 
And we now have a program called Halftime, uh, and Mark Connor is involved in that. Mark Connor's a great guy, but he says, aside from that, it's like the church is in halftime. It's like, it's sort of like Jesus is saying, you know, well, you guys have started off well, everything's been going great, and, and things are still going good, but we have some things we need to address. And, and I've seen games lost and won in the last half. I've seen, I've seen teams completely uh, disheveled at halftime and come out. And I believe that's what God would say to us as a church. It's kind of half time. There's, there's some things we're doing really well. Uh, but if we want a different result, you know, we wanted, when I was playing football that day, we wanted a different result. I said to Logsy, I said, we need a different result on the scoreboard for a change. It'd be nice if there were some pluses on there. Not such a big gap between us and the others. But <clears throat> so we needed, a di- and if we want a different result, we have to do things, I feel, differently. I want to talk to you about that today. Uh, in my time in the forestry, I came to one conclusion. I planted, in one year, I think we planted 3.1 million seedlings. And in, in all of that time, I came to the conclusion that there was nothing I could do to make that tree grow. But there was a lot that I could do to uh, enhance the environment. And uh, coming to Queensland, we're enjoying mangoes here in Queensland. Who, who enjoys mangoes? In Tasmania, they're like gold. It's like, wow, these things must come all the way from the Middle East somewhere. But they don't. They only come from Queensland. And here they're falling everywhere. And and you know what? I could pick up a mango tree and I could take it to Tasmania and plant it in Tasmania and it would have no effect. Why? Because the atmosphere is different. Same, I could bring apple trees from Tasmania up here and they wouldn't have a great success because the atmosphere is different. And if we want a different result, we can control the atmosphere. Jesus spoke, uh, I think, one of the most profound parables. In fact, you could preach, I believe, you could preach on this parable every week for a year and preach something different. It's just, it's like ogres and onions. They're just multi-layered. The parables of Christ are multi-layered. So let's come to the parable of the sower. Uh, Jesus gives us the parable and then he gives the explanation. I love it when Jesus does this. And he says, if we start off in verse 18, he would say to us, hear then the parable of the sower. And as we work our way through this parable, we're talking about, Mark and Luke tell us, that we're talking about the secrets of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. What was Jesus talking about when he was talking about the kingdom of heaven? It is the presently existing spiritual community of those subject to Christ. The kingdom of God is not something that you can measure. You can't define its borders physically, but you can in the hearts and lives of people. And if you are part of that community, you are part of his kingdom. And Jesus says, I want to tell you one of the secrets to this community. The focus of this parable we will see isn't really on the sower. And in fact, as we work our way along, uh, there's not a huge focus on the seed. In fact, the most thing that we seem to focus on is the different soils that the seed reaches. It kind of paints a picture of the different uh, attitudes we find and the different heart conditions we find in people's lives today. Mark and Luke tell us that the sower goes out to sow seed and they make no bones about it when they tell us that the sower was sowing the word of God. People say they want to hear God speak. God has spoken volumes right here. When God was commissioning Joshua, he says to Joshua, he says, 
do not let the words of this law depart from your lips. Do not let it depart from your heart. Meditate on it day and night. So leadership principle number one, don't let this here depart, Joshua, from anything going forward. Don't let it, don't let it be a part of every part of your life from this day forward. The psalmist would say that the entrance of God's word brings light. Why is it that there's countries in the Middle East that seem so dark? Because there's no word of God. Why has darkness crept into our schools? Because we no longer, praise God for those that do, take the word of God into our schools, but we no longer put a priority on it. I'm excited to hear already our new Prime Minister has some interesting things to say. It may just be exactly what Australia needs, particularly in Parliament. And we will see as we make our way forward that every, uh, every soil is a heart condition. Let's work our way through the first one. Beginning at uh, verse 13, it says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. Jesus, what are you talking about? What are you talking about with hearing and understanding? How is that even possible to get those two confused? In the Greek, to hear means uh, what we would think it would mean. Basically, you are actively engaged. You are, you are listening and you want to listen to what's going on here. For those who hear but don't understand. But understanding has a different meaning in the Greek. It's not about comprehension. It's about taking time to consider and meditate. For those who hear the word of God, but give it no more consideration, that is like the word of the kingdom who does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. It's like, it's like the seed that was sown along the path or, or on a highway. If you're scattering seed and some falls on the highway, that hard, crusty surface, it's like a, it's like a closed mine. Two problems with a highway. One, the surface is somewhat impenetrable. Two, there is far too much traffic. We allow far too much traffic in our hearts, far too much information. We can't be ready to receive to hear from God. Why? Because we're hearing everything else and our hearts just become callous. Keith Green wrote a song because he said, my heart has become callous. He said, Lord, you're wonderful. You're beautiful. That's a beautiful song. And he says, I wrote this song because I realised my heart was just becoming callous and hard. But we see that what happens is it lands, uh, Jesus is beautiful how he paints these pictures. It lands upon the road and the birds come and snatch it away and it speaks of the evil one. I, I want to give both a, a huge encouragement this morning, but I want to pause and give a warning. If, if you're going to begin a journey of allowing the word of God to shape your life, you will be opposed at every turn by the enemy. He will oppose this seed above everything else. He opposes it in our schools. He opposes it in our parliament. He will oppose it in your life. And heaven forbid, he is opposing it from the pulpits. But he will oppose the seed being sown. Our hearts are like a sponge and we need to be careful what it is that we allow our hearts to come in contact with. As we work our way through, and it's 
important to highlight now. We need to understand that the one thing that doesn't change the whole way through this parable is the seed. It has all the potential. No matter which soil it reaches, the seed is never different. Let's keep reading. And does not understand that the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Verse 20. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. I'm sure my wife will agree with me that the youth group that we were in uh, and the youth group that I was in when I was at the Salvation Army, if you were to look across the landscape of all the people that we grew up with in church, none of them are there now. There is a story, uh, of, a very sad story, of a church in Launceston that uh, recently changed denominations. And uh, when this church started, it was... It was, the, it was the new in thing, you know, people, this is good, it was, you know, the music was high energy, everyone wanted to be there, they were flocking from other churches to go there, and I'm hearing reports, you know, this is wonderful, this, and it just all sounded like emotion. But then all of a sudden, uh, because uh, everything was based on how we feel, the next thing we know, there's no actual depth to the soil, there's no root and... Tragically, although there was some fruit in that church, that church capitulated. Many people got hurt. And somebody else came in and, and took what was there. The, the rocky ground is very shallow. Although the word is received with such joy, there is this quite often uh, in the rocky ground we base all of our experience on God uh, according to how we feel or according to our emotions. <coughs> Waking up in the morning, I don't feel saved today. That doesn't matter. When Paul says, I live by faith and not by sight, this is what he's talking about. Paul's waking up in the morning and he says, it doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. My faith tells me, according to what's inside here, what the truth is. The truth is I am saved. The truth is God does love me and I am highly valued. But if we are to build our lives on, on hype or feelings or emotions, it feels good at the time, but it fizzles out like a firecracker. We need to have a root and substance and depth in our lives. D.L. Moody says beautifully that the Bible was not given for our information, but for our transformation. It wasn't given just to inform us. It wasn't given so that we could theologically debate it. It was given to transform people's lives. And it does today. And we see that uh, although this parable has huge evangelistic uh, connotations, it also means a lot for our own hearts. If, we, if we're honest with ourselves, there are times in our lives when our hearts are hard and callous. If we're honest, there's times when we, when we build everything on emotions and feelings. We find this heart condition in the people outside of these walls, but we find it also inside of these walls. The next one, I think, speaks very highly to the Western culture. It's one I want to focus on most this morning. We'll get to the good soil, but this one, I believe, is one we will fight against in churches in the Western world. Let's keep reading. 
verse 22. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, underline this word, choke. Choke the word and it proves unfruitful. It proves unfruitful. What is the difference? You could get on a plane now, I'll be honest with you, you could get on a plane now and you could go to the Philippines and, and you could preach the gospel in the Philippines and it would go off like a firecracker. And you could go to other developing nations around the world and you could preach the gospel. The gospel is taking off in China in a country where <laughs> Christianity is persecuted was particularly beyond belief. What is the difference between some of these developing countries? What is the difference between them and here? They haven't got a whole lot of stuff choking up their hearts. God can't come and fill what is already full to the brim. God's, God's asking us to make room. God's, God's saying you want to bear fruit. You want a different result. You want a different harvest. Clear the ground. Get some of the weeds out first. You can't see any fruit because this word choke means literally to, to die by drowning. It's like everything else in our lives is, is, is cloaking it over. It's, it's suffocating the word and it can't bring any fruit in our lives. Jesus, we see the Old Testament points to, points to a lot in the physical. Jesus, Jesus didn't do that. Jesus came and spoke straight to the heart. When Jesus was talking to Pharisees, he would say to them, basically what happens on the outside is uh, only ever going to be a result of what's on the inside. So work on what is on the inside first. Those who, who have hearts with thorny ground, they have too much in their lives. They, uh, they are preoccupied and overtaken with the busyness of this life. Jesus gives us three examples. One of them is listed outside in, in, in Mark and Luke. And we'll have a look at the three of them. The first one he says is the cares of this world. Unrelenting, anxious attention to the busyness of life. This is the cares of this world. This is what you're giving your attention to. What was the problem with Peter when he got out of the boat? He walked on the water. Things are going great guns. Peter, what happened? He began to put his attention on any, everything else that was going on. When Peter saw the wind and the waves, he began to sink. Beautiful story, though. He, he cries out to Christ, save me. And Jesus always stretches forth his arms. But the cares of this world, is, it's like living with too many departments in our lives. We, we, can't, we will talk before we finish today about building our lives and what that looks like. But too often, we build our lives and we, and we section it off into departments. We, we're erecting a skyscraper and here's a department for work and, and here's a department for family and here's a department for uh, the other things in my life and here's a little department for you, God. And God says, you guys have got it all wrong. <laughs> I don't want a department in your life. You can section your life up into as many departments as you like, but I must be the building. I don't want to be a department. I want to be the building and then you can section it off how you feel you need to. Last week we spoke about going deep with God, going deep with God. It's simple. We complicate it. But moving from the shallow end to the deep end is readjusting what it is or who it is that we value. Jesus would go on to say, not only the cares of this life, but the deceitfulness of riches. This is, this is living life with a divided heart. If you want to see what this looks like in a physical sense, read the Old Testament with what happens with Israel. Oh, Israel, they love to listen to the prophets. 
They always listened to the prophets. They always wanted the prophets of God to speak to them. But the problem was they listened to the prophets of God. They listened to the prophets of Baal. They listened to every other person that had a good idea that came along at the time. They were living and God wanted them to be separate, but their hearts were divided. Give us a king like all the other nations. Their hearts were always divided. By the time we get to the time of Jeremiah, Jeremiah would walk into the temple and see all the outward ordinances were correct. Jeremiah says, you know what? Everybody here in Jerusalem sees you do everything right. The rituals are right. The ceremonies are right. But when you peel back the curtain to the Holy of Holies, in there you're sacrificing to another God. And all too often when you peel back the curtain of our hearts, we're sacrificing to other gods. In Mark and Luke, Jesus also says the lust for other things, that is the pleasures of this life, it's, it's what we permit in our lives. It's what we give permission. Uh, receiving, and we'll talk about this in a moment, but receiving Christ or receiving the word is, is giving a permission. It's surrendering and saying, I give you permission to be my king, Jesus. And this is giving approval to the word and to the seed. Lust for other things overtakes our life and we permit too much into our lives. We live in a society today where, I mean, Paul the Apostle would have loved Google. Would have saved him a whole lot of paper. Paul the Apostle would have loved email. I mean, back in prison, in Roman days, when you were in prison, they didn't feed you. This was no holiday camp. I mean, these guys, you didn't get fed unless somebody brought it to you. Uh, There was no email, there was no uh, people just coming and visiting whenever they liked. Prison in those days was a lot different. We we have all the information at our fingertips, but we're the most ill-informed, it would appear, generation. We have all the information at our fingertips, but nobody can see past two feet in front of them to see the truth of what is around us. We have Facebook, but yet we're the most disconnected generation. Apparently you're a friend now if you like something on my Facebook page. And friendship comes and goes at the press of a button. That's never been the case. It's never been the case. All these things clog our lives. But now we come to the good news and Jesus says there is good soil. I believe there's good soil in this room. I believe there is much good soil in this room. But I also believe that if we were to look three years, five years, ten years down the track, I want to be able to look everybody that's here now, plus more in the eyes and say, still going well. We're bearing fruit. There's a harvest. And if we want to change our harvest, we need to change our hearts. Let's see what Jesus says concerning the last condition of soil. Verse 23 says, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word. This is the one who not only hears it now, but he understands it, takes time to consider it, takes time to meditate upon it. And and for those that are wondering, what does the Bible mean when it says to meditate? It does not mean to cross your legs, pinch your fingers and say harm. That's not what meditation in the Bible means. In fact, in the Hebrew, meditate means to mutter. It's okay to talk to yourself, friends. That's what the Bible says. We 
We should talk to ourselves more. We should muse. When you're talking to yourself, you're musing over what, what is in the Word. You, you go deep. You know, it's not about how much of the Word of God we read. But I want, to, I want to press the most important point home today is making room in your life to engage with this book. Too many people are hearing too many voices that don't seem to line up with what's in here. Remember King Saul? <laughs> King Saul is used to hearing the prophet Samuel. And then Samuel dies and a dilemma comes, my paraphrase, I'll move through it very quickly. Uh, And then a dilemma comes and he needs to hear the voice of God. So he goes to a medium to raise Samuel so that he can hear the voice of God. And Samuel said, what are you doing? My paraphrase again, you don't need to do any of this. You just need to do what God told you to do in the first place. We just need to do what God has told us here. The good soil is one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. Uh See, that word yield there is taking what is the seed, all of the potential that is in the seed, yielding is bringing it forth in our lives. It's, It's allowing and permitting the seed to take root in our lives and to change who we are. We'll get to that again in a moment. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60 and in another 30. Are there degrees of, of harvest? Yes. Let's be a church that aims for a hundredfold. A harvest in our lives. A hundredfold. Mark would say uh, in his that the good soil receives. And and as I said before, the the good soil admits with approval. That's what it means in the Greek. It admits with approval. I give approval for, for the word of God to come into my life and to speak into my life. There is a difference between allowing the word of God to speak into your life and coming to the word of God and changing it to speak what you want it to speak into your life. Luke says that the good soil holds fast the word with an honest and good heart. I love those words, holds fast. What are you holding fast to in your life? Quite often it can be seen on what's on the outside. Luke says that we bring forth fruit with patience. And this patience is remaining under, uh, remaining under affliction despite the outward pressure and opposition. The word of God will always have outward pressure. In your workplace, uh, allowing the, the, the word of God to shape your life in your workplace will bring pressure. It will bring opposition. Uh, I think it was uh, Brother Basil's not here this morning. Uh, Myself and Basil were talking one time and we're talking about young people. He said, you know what young people need today? And I said, what's that? And he said, affliction. Uh, And I'm like, preach it. Uh, He says, yeah. He he would go as far as to say we need another war. I pull up the the reins a little bit. We need some affliction. People, People need some opposition. The gospel flourishes the most under opposition. In the first century, the church exploded because as the pressure mounts, so does God's faithfulness and favour. The good soil, basically, if you want to know what the good soil looks like, it looks like everything that the other three are not. It looks like an unchoked heart. We're not choked up. We're not shallow and basing our knowledge and experience of God on emotions and we're not callous, but we're willing to listen to the word of God. 
So how can we cultivate quickly? How can we cultivate a heart of good soil? Uh, basically hearing and, and considering and meditating and studying on the Word of God. This isn't, this isn't about quantity, it's about quality. We, how can you do that practically? I'm not, I'm not necessarily always a practical preacher because the application is different for each person, but how can we practically start to change uh, what we do? You can start engaging with the Word of God. Study it. Uh, uh, use devotionals in your own time. Get into life groups. Get involved with other people. Talk about the Word of God with other people. That's how it was in the book of Acts. You know, in the book of Acts, we get hung up on how it physically worked out. You know, they they met in temples and also in homes, and, and that's not as important as what they were doing when they were there. While they were meeting together, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were they had everything in common. They were they were praying for each other's needs. Something that is organic. You can't manufacture this. But we need to be people engaging with the word of God. We need to un- unclose our often closed hearts and minds. We we quite often shut off when God's word pokes at places in our heart that we don't like. If God is going to come in, as Revelation 3.20 tells us, and if he is going to dine or sup with us, he is going to want to look in all of the rooms. And you can open the door or he will kick it in. It's a lot less painful if you open the door. Can I encourage you to begin to reduce the weeds in your life? We allow our lives to be cluttered up with everything that so often doesn't matter. And so often uh, people say, oh, well, I would love to spend more time studying the Word of God, but I just don't have the time. You will make time for what is a priority in your life. We always do. N.T. Wright, the Bishop of Durham, says that the Bible is the book of my life. It's the book I live with, the book I live by, and the book I want to die by. Interesting words. As I bring this to a conclusion, I want to go back to Matthew chapter 7. And Jesus spoke about two men that built their house. And as I bring this to an end, I want to encourage everybody here to build your house, but to build it in the same manner that Christ did. And, and when we read the parable in Matthew about building our house, it comes directly after Jesus saying, I never knew you. But it's interesting that Jesus points to the fact that people will come to him and say, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we, did we, and we want to see all of these things, don't we? Did we not do all of these things? We, we gave to the poor, we prophesied in your name. And then Jesus turns and says to them, I never knew you. They are powerful words. These are people that were prophesying. King Saul prophesied. You read how that worked out. And as your pastor, I am doing you a disservice if I allow you to build your house any further on from here in any other fashion. I am doing you a disservice if you ever even think that you will hear these words. But Jesus says it's okay. There's a way that you can avoid this. Everyone then, he says, in verse 24 of chapter 7, he says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, not only hears them, but it actually takes effect in your life, he will be like something. He will be like a wise man who built his house upon 
the rock. Not the church, the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And how I pray now for those that I was in youth group with, that, that they would relay the foundation in their lives. That, that God would do something in their hearts because too many Christians start their race very, very well, but they finish poorly. Well, as we work our way through this parable, we will see the two houses were built and you could not tell the difference between either of them until the storms of life came. It's interesting that Jesus didn't say, if the rain falls. If it so happens that the floods come. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus makes it absolutely clear that the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. If you were sold any other gospel apart from what Jesus is telling you here, you need to get your money back. Jesus didn't make any bones. This is not fine print. Jesus wants everybody to know you are going to face opposition in your life. You are going to come to times when it's going to feel like the rain, the floods and the wind are all coming at the same time. And Jesus is saying at those times, if you're not built upon the rock, you're going to fall. Verse 26, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. What's the difference between the two buildings? One built upon the person of Jesus Christ. We heard about the Passover lamb this morning. We heard about the Passover in Exodus You know what? A a, a tragedy struck Egypt at that time. And the only way you could be free wasn't, it wasn't anything that you could do apart from trust in the blood of the lamb applied to the doorposts of your house. And Jesus makes it clear, if you're going to build your house, you go ahead and build your house. You go ahead and build your life. But God must be the house and the foundation must be built upon the person of Jesus Christ. How do we build upon a solid foundation? We hear his words and we do them. First pastor I ever had, this was the, this was the thing that he pressed home. It was the question he asked me. Most of all, how's your Bible reading going? There was a high emphasis on this here. This here surpasses how you feel. Every word that God has spoken here, Timothy says that all scripture is God breathed. Anybody here feel like they need the breath of God? God's given it us at all here. Do you ever feel like you're walking through life, stumbling your way through, not really knowing, muddling your way through, not really knowing? Well, King David will say that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Here's a man that lived his life as one that bore the testimony of one that was after God's own heart. This morning I'm wondering as we finish if we can just sit for a moment 
In just a moment's silence. And as we do, can you allow perhaps God to point to things, there might be weeds in your life right now, that you need to get out of your heart. You may be building your life with God as a department. And what God is saying is, I must be the building. The definition of insanity is we go through our lives any longer without making some radical changes in who it is that we value and the time and permission we give his word in our lives. Let us pray together. Father, this morning, I would ask that this very powerful, creative seed for your words are creative. I pray that they would rest on good soil in every heart in this room this morning. I'm asking, Lord, that you would transform our values and I'm asking you to do something that no person here can do, transform our hearts. I pray that every person from this day forward would build their lives on the foundation of the person of Jesus Christ on the foundation of what you have said to us. May our lives be shaped and moulded by your very words. I pray that each and every one of us would cultivate good soil in our hearts, that we would know you breathing on our hearts and speaking into our lives. In your wonderful and glorious name, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.